I want to speak today on the triumphant church. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to the third chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. Yeah, I was thinking of a little quote that we uh, have used many times. And I want you to listen and make it personal in your life. What kind of church would this church be if every member was just like me? That's a good question to ask. How faithful would the church be? How loving? How holy? What kind of church would this church be if every member was just like me? Well, you know, what kind of church did God want us to be? What is our pattern? Are we supposed to be like the church in Tillman's Corner? Or the church down on Cody Road like Day Spring? What kind of church are we supposed to be? Well, I think the answer to that is found in the, God, in the Word of God. The Word of God makes clear what God's pattern and God's plan is for the church. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, if I want to know what kind of church I want to be, I want to look at the book of Acts. And so I want to show you a picture of the triumphant church. Now, Jesus had died on the cross The disciples had thought it was all over. Jesus told them to wait till Pentecost. Pentecost came. They were all filled in that upper room with the Holy Spirit. And they left that upper room, that body of believers, the church, to change the world. And they literally turned the world upside down. In the third chapter of Acts, we have a picture of the church triumphant. In this particular chapter, chapter 3, we see Peter and John going into the temple. Now, they had been in there, of course, we know, uh, many times. And it, thir- it says in the third verse, and see, who seeing Peter and John, there was a lame man who had been there at the gate since birth. Hey, by the way, Jesus went into the temple many times. He went in there many times. Jesus had passed this man who was lame, but he'd never healed him. Oh, I guarantee you Peter and John had gone in there many times. And he'd been there at the gate every time asking for alms. But this time, as they went into the temple, uh, this man was uh, reaching out and asking uh, Peter and John for alms. And notice what it says in in, uh, in verse 3, it says, who, suing, who saw Peter and John about to go into the temple ask alms. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up. And walk. And he took him by his right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones were strengthened. So leaping up, he stood, walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praised God. So here we see a glimpse of the church. 
a church triumphant. We see the healing of the lame man. And then we see that after this, now this is always the pattern of a triumphant church. God had done something miraculous in their midst. Here was the man whose healing could only be explained as God. And so Peter took this opportunity to preach the gospel. Look in chapter 3 at verses 12 through 16. Now listen to what, so here's the church. God's done something mighty. And Peter says, let me tell you who did this. Verse 12. So Peter saw it and he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? As Why do you marvel at this? Why, why look so intently on us? As through our own power, our good godliness, we made this man to walk. Well, then he gives them the gospel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God and Father of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate and was determined to let him go. You denied the holy and the just. You asked for a murder to be granted to you. You killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and then he gives them the gospel. And through his name, through faith in his name, has this man, is this man made strong, whom you see and know. Yes, faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness of presence in the presence of you. Listen, every time God does something in our life, every time God does something in the church, we need to be quick to seize that opportunity to preach the gospel. Well, what happened to, to Bill? He used to live a certain way, and now he tells me he's going to church, and, 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 and these, that he started a new direction. Well, what happened? Oh, it was Jesus. He met Jesus that God raised from the dead. And Jesus changed his life. So we see a church that is triumphant has the presence of God doing only what God can do in its midst and uses that to preach the gospel, to tell people, hey, it's not by who we are or what we did. It's by the power of the risen Christ that God did this. You know, many people say, you know, God has really blessed Luke 418. Man, you've just been in your building a year. Boy, it's amazing what God has done. And, and you know, boy, you just take that up here and say, listen, you know why God has blessed us? Because Jesus Christ is in our midst. See, our name is all about who Jesus is. Jesus said, I've come to preach the, uh, heal the broken, preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives, to give sight to the blind, to set at liberty the oppressed. You know, the reason our church is blessed is it's all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus has done. It's all about Jesus being glorified in our midst. The church triumphant, when God does something, takes that opportunity to preach the gospel and say it is all Jesus and to him goes all the glory. But you know what? I want you to look at the power of the gospel. After Peter and John preached, Flip over to chapter 4 of Acts and the 4th verse. You say, Brother Fred, the lame man got healed. Peter preached the gospel and said it was in the name and power of Jesus that was healed. Did anybody get saved? Wow, would you look at verse 4? However, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000. Wow. 
You know, the, the Solomon's porch where Peter and them preached obviously would take care of a lot of people. And I don't know exactly when or how Peter gave the invitation, but I'm telling you truth. Lame man walked. The gospel was preached. That's a triumphant church. And 5,000 men were born into the kingdom of God. That is the church triumph. But guess what happens when the church does something that causes the attention of the world? Let me tell you something. The gospel of Jesus Christ in a secular and cultural world is always opposed. Did you know that? Sometimes the gospel is opposed by religious people. Many times it's opposed by secular people. But I promise you this. The Bible says they that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And the Bible said, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, if they tried to kill me, he said, they'll persecute you. And so look what happens. The church is moving. God is blessing. People are saved. Look at verse 1. And they got upset. The Pharisees did. And they put Peter and John in jail. Well, can you believe that? Put them in jail because the man was healed and 5,000 people got saved? Look at verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, chapter 4, the priest and captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They were upset. They're saying, you know, they crucified him the prince of life, but God raised him from the dead. And this man standing in your midst has been healed by the mighty power of Jesus and the faith in Jesus' name. And everything you see here is what God has done. And it disturbed him. Let me tell you something. In this culture in which we live, if we stand firm in our faith in Jesus Christ and we proclaim that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is alive, And we proclaim that Jesus has the power to save and to deliver. And if we proclaim that Jesus is the only name under heaven whereby men must be saved. I tell you what, the world will not applaud us. The world will oppose us. But praise God. It means we're doing something right when the world opposes us. So they put them in jail. And they had a conference, you know. They had a committee. Boy, a committee, that'll destroy anything. They had a committee. Okay? They got a committee meeting, and, uh, and it says uh, in verse 5, for it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes, they got everybody that was anybody, as well as Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many were of the family of the priest gathered together. And when they, they set Peter and John in their midst, <laughs> and boy, did they set themselves up. Listen to what they said. By what power or what name have you done this? Woo. Peter jumped on that like a dog on a bone. I mean, good. Boy, he's been Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, stood and preached to him for about 30 minutes. No, I bet he preached 45 minutes. You can't get it out in less than 45 minutes. And man, he let them have it. And man, they didn't know what to do. So look down. Finally, they listened to Peter and they said, y'all leave. We've we got to make a decision here. Y'all leave. Verse 15, they had commanded them to go aside out of the council. They conferred among themselves. What shall we do to these men? What are we going to do with Peter and John? You would think it was a thousand people. It was two men. 
What shall we do with these men? Indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. We cannot deny the presence and power of God. Hallelujah. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. I said, all right. The Bible says they severely threatened them. How do you severely threaten people? If you threaten them, you threaten them. They severely threatened them. said, no more. No more preaching about Jesus. No more teaching about his name. Keep it to yourself. Hey, I, don't you love the answer that Peter gave them? Don't you love it? Praise God, this ought, to be all, this ought to be the answer. When we speak out on moral issues, when we take a stand for marriage between one man and one woman, when we speak about morality and, and we talk about uh, 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 being pure and holy and right and that God has moral standards and God has commandments, and that we are to answer to God and we should have the fear of God. They say, well, just be quiet. And listen to what Peter and John said. They said, listen. They said in verse 20 of chapter 4, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You can't shut us up. We've seen it. We know who God is. We know God's power. We know what God has done. We can't be quiet about it. Let me tell you something. We know that God is love. We know that God is holy. We know that God is righteous. We know that Jesus died for sinners. But we also know that God judges sin. And the wrath of God comes upon those who are disobedient to God. And we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You know, they'd love to silence the church. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. They don't like the church today. They'd, they'd like to silence us. They like to take prayer out of schools. They like to say you couldn't have a manger scene in the public courthouse. They'd like to say, well, you can't pray after a ball game. They, 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 love, they love to take all the things about America's religious heritage out of the textbooks. You see, the church threatens darkness. The church threatens a secular society. society. The darkness can't stand the light. And so they said, listen, just be quiet. If you speak out against sin, you're a hate monger. If you speak out against evil, you're, you're, you don't love people. That's a lie. You know when you know you love people? When you tell them the truth. That's how you know you love people. But they sure didn't shut Peter and them up. They said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They said, whether it's better to listen to you or listen to God, you judge. And then, so they further threatened them and let them go. Now look down in verse 23. What did they do when they got through threatening them? They went back to church, the, 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 the body of believers, and they prayed. And I love this. Look at this. Verse 24. We're just almost, we're through the introduction. Now we're almost to the message. You ready? It says, that's right. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They said they told us to shut up. They threatened us. They probably threatened they were not only going to put us in jail but kill us. That's what they did. They threatened us and told us to be quiet. So what did the church do? Oh, my goodness. They're going to sue us. They're going to sue us, you know. I, I mean, you know, they may put some of us in jail. The church just started wringing their hands and got afraid. 
I got a Greek word for that baloney. That's not what they did. Look what they did. Man, they started praying. I love it. Man, they started calling on God. Man, look in, in verse, so verse 24. Don't miss this. This is a triumphant church. When they heard that, they raised their voice to God and said, they raised their voice to God with one accord, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea that all is in them. You know what they started praying? God, you are in control. You are in control. You're the sovereign God of the universe. And do you think we're going to listen to these people who told us to be quiet? Or are we going to listen to you, the true and living God? And man, they just prayed. And they just told God. They prayed for God to give them more of what got them in jail. Look, look what it says in verse 29. They said, now keep quiet. Look what they prayed for. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. God, we want to be bolder than we've ever been. We want to preach the gospel more loudly and boldly and truthfully than we've ever preached it. And God, we want you to manifest your power. Look in verse 30. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Okay, now I want you to see the pattern. God worked a miracle. A lame man was healed. The people saw what the miracle was. And they followed Peter and John and the lame man that was healed into Solomon's porch. Peter preached the gospel. Told them that Jesus was alive and Jesus was Lord. And there was no other name under heaven where they could be saved. And 5,000 men got saved. And then they, chief priests and elders and scribes and we could call that anything you want to in America today from the court system to the uh, AAC. Is that the ACLU? ALUC something. I don't know what it is, but it ain't no good, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, they've got an atheist union now. They're trying to get something put up in the courthouse in, in, in Baldwin County. They say, well, if you're going to put up in God we trust, we're going to put up in what they're going to trust in. They tried to do that over at our courthouse in Mobile. I love atheists, but they just need to get saved. Amen? You say, well, we need to respect them. We do. They have a holiday, April Fool's Day. That's, that's a holiday. <laughs> now, I shouldn't have said that. But I said it in love. I did. I said it in love. I did. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there's no God. The fool said in his heart there's no God. They want them to be able to talk and us to shut up. That ain't going to happen. Well, anyway, so they commanded them to be quiet. They said, we got it. We whether to listen to God or listen to you. You decide. We're going to listen to God. And so they said, all right, you're going back to jail. Now, you know that. And we're going to sue you. And, and you know, the church is afraid that somebody's going to sue. I mean, what are they going to sue you for? They try to keep us quiet. Well, if you speak out on moral issues... We're going to sue you. Uh, if you speak out on moral issues, we'll, we'll take away your tax-exempt status. Well, go ahead. We don't have to have the government's help. Praise God. God's greater than the government. That's just a, something to threaten us with. And so they uh, threatened them, but they went back to the church and said, Look, 
we got a crisis, but we're going to pray. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray for God to give us boldness, for God not to let us back down, for God to let us speak the truth. And they did. And, boy, here's, here's the scripture for this morning's message, verse 31. And when they had prayed, look what happened. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. You know what God said? I heard your prayer. I heard your prayer. I, I'm just going to shake a few things to let you know that you're on the right track. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. The Holy Spirit gives you boldness. The Holy Spirit gives you courage. The Holy Spirit gives you power. The Holy Spirit gives you the uh, power to live a holy life. Man, God shook the place they were in. And every one of them that were praying were filled with the Holy Spirit. And look at the last part of the verse. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They didn't back down. They weren't intimidated. No, they spoke the word of God with boldness. Look at verse 33. Man, you're talking about God moving. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. You know, a, a triumphant church is a church that obeys God. And it's a church that prays. And then something happens when they pray. A triumphant church is a church where there is the presence of God. You know what happened when they prayed? The place where they were assembled was shaken. And they looked around and said, you know, God just visited us. God is here. God is in our midst. Don't you know it encouraged them? And listen, we need to pray that we will be, we will recognize the presence of God in our midst and the presence of God in this place. Listen, what makes the church the church? The presence of God. Oh, you can get a crowd, but that doesn't mean God's there. You can sing songs, but that doesn't mean God's there. What makes the church the church is the presence of the living God. There are three aspects of the presence of God. There's the promised presence of God. Where two or three are gathered in my name. There I will be in the midst of them. Right? Jesus said that. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in the midst of them. That's the promised presence of God. You know what that doesn't mean? Can I tell you what it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean you say, well, two or three of us are going to gather in Jesus' name. We're going to put a sign out there. This is a, we're, we're the church of Jesus Christ, and that means God's going to be there. Absolutely not. You know what it means to gather in Jesus' name? It means that you gather under the authority of Jesus' name. He is Lord. You don't gather there under your authority with your agenda. You gather there under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and his agenda. Together in Jesus' name, you gather under his authority and you gather for his glory, his honor, and his praise, and you gather for the furtherance of the gospel of Christ around the world. 
You can gather in Jesus' name and he can be a million miles away unless you're under his authority and you're there for the magnifying of his name and for his glory and for his purpose. There are people all over Mobile that gathered today and they'll sing about Jesus, but they're not under his authority and they're not uh, uh, in obedience to his name. And I'm telling you, God is not committed to a building. God is committed to people who live under his authority and for his glory. I'm not making friends today. But anyway, let me tell you the second thing about his presence. There's the promised presence of God. The place where they were shaken was a symbol. But there's the awareness of the presence of God. They became aware. You know, most of us have had times in our lives when we not only knew his promised presence, but we became aware of his presence. And it's kind of like we say, man, surely the Lord is in this place. Something's different. I sense the presence of God. God, you are visiting us today. Well, I know you promised to be here, but it's so good, Lord, to know that you are here. About three weeks ago, a lady gave me, gave me the greatest encouraging words anybody could give me. She said, I, I'm a visitor here, but I want to tell you something. I can sense the presence of God in this place. She couldn't have said anything that would encourage me anymore. Because when people come here, if they don't sense the presence of God, we have failed to be and do what God wants us to do. My prayer is that nobody will walk through the doors of this building without sensing, oh, God, something's different. God is here. But there's another aspect of his presence, his promised presence, the awareness of his presence. But then there's the manifestation of his presence. After Peter preached, 5,000 men were saved. The manifested presence of Jesus. You know what it is? It's Luke 4.18. I used to preach all over the country and I'd preach a sermon, a message. Oh, on, uh, when revival comes. And I'd preach out of Isaiah. Oh, Lord, tear open the heavens and come down. That the mountains may shake in your presence. As fire burns brushwood and fire causes water to boil. Oh, God, you come and let the nations know that you're here. And I would preach on the presence of God. That was a revival. And I'd say, but let me tell you what the manifested presence of God is. It's Jesus being Jesus in your midst. What did Jesus come to do? To preach the gospel to the poor. But the difference is when Jesus here, they, is here, they hear the gospel. It is not only preached, but they hear it. He said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. It means as the gospel is preached, Jesus is moving in and out of these seats and healing brokenhearted people. It means as the gospel is preached, when there's a manifested presence of Jesus, it means he's moving in and out of these seats and he's delivering the captives. He's giving sight to the blind. He's opening spiritual eyes and he's encouraging the discouraged. Boy, I tell you, a triumphant church, it is a church that prays. And when they pray, they recognize the presence of God. But look at the second thing. 
And when they had praised, the place where they were assembled was shaken. Verse 31, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They received the power of God. Hey, listen, that, that's, what, that's why we pray. Not only that we would recognize his presence, but that we would receive his power. Ephesians 4.18 says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says here, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I got good news for you. These are the same people that were filled in the second chapter of Acts. They all got filled in Acts 2. And guess what? On Acts 4.3, they all got filled with the Spirit again. You say, well, I got filled with the Spirit 15 years ago. Well, what about this morning? What about today? What about last week? Did you live in the Spirit's power? Did you walk in the Spirit's power? Did you look to the Holy Spirit and said, it's not by power, it's not by might, it's by your Spirit, oh God? Let me ask you a question. As a church, who are we looking to? Are we looking to the pastor or the minister of music? Are we looking to, to programs or plans? Let me ask you something. Who are we looking to? I'll tell you who we better be looking to. We better be depending on the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit that moves in power in the church and makes the church a living organism filled by God. You say, well, I think the preacher ought to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled. You need to be empty of yourself and have Jesus on the throne of your heart and allow the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in you to fill you every day and that out of your innermost being will flow a river of living water. The Holy, Holy Spirit is the normal Christian life. And listen, when a church... A triumphant church, they recognize the presence of God, but oh, they receive, they receive the power of God. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the last thing is, they accomplished the purpose of God. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, everywhere they went, they would say, Jesus is Lord. The Christians would recognize each other by saying, Jesus, Kurios, Jesus is Lord. You know, the mission field is right outside these doors. The mission field is at Publix and Walmart and Winn-Dixie and, and the dry cleaners and where you go to work and the neighbors around you. Hey, we need to speak the name of Jesus. Just share Jesus. Ask God for divine appointments. Ask God to open doors. Ask God to give you the boldness to share Christ. You know, we're going to first four Wednesdays in January. We're going to emphasize something called people sharing Jesus. And it's just how that in our everyday lifestyle we can share Jesus Christ. We'll take the time on Wednesday night and just refresh how we can use our testimony. How we, you can use a gospel tract. How we, how we can share Jesus. Listen, folks. Listen. It, it, we got, we, we've got to build relationships. We've got to build relationships with people. They've got to learn to trust us. It may be the dry cleaner that takes on your clothes. It may be the checkout woman at the counter. It may be anybody. But somehow they know that you care about them. And they know that you're genuine. They know that. Somehow God lets them know. And then God gives you an opportunity to say, you know, is there any way I could pray for you? 
Or you see an opportunity, hey, you know, you know I, I went through something not long ago like that, and boy, Jesus gave me the strength. What do you mean Jesus gave you the strength? You know, everybody in this room, if you're a child of God, you have a testimony. Everyone in this room, if you know Jesus, you can witness. And, and you don't have to give them the whole Bible. Please don't try. You can do it in two or three minutes. Just let them know that Jesus changed your life. For a while I got in the habit, I, when I check out and do things, I just say, well, thank you, and I'm a follower of Jesus. That, that's not a bad thing to say. You say, well, that's going to offend them. What is going to offend them to hell number two? I mean, come on. I'm a follower of Jesus. You can tell anybody that. Well, well that, that's bad. No, it isn't bad. It's wonderful. I'm going to follow him straight to heaven. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. A triumphant church prays. Doesn't that opposition stop them? And when they pray, they recognize God's presence. God is here. They receive God's power. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they speak the word of God with boldness. They accomplish God's purpose. We're not interested in Luke 4.18 just having a nice building at 2664 Solly Road. We're interested in being a triumphant church. A triumphant church that affects this entire section of Mobile and the city in Jesus' name.